0: Welcome to
1: Viva La Vulva, the podcast that explores and teaches about the goodness of the vulva. Here is your host, Dr. Kara Quant, an internal medicine doctor and advocate for female sexual health.
0: Hello and welcome to the Viva La Vulva podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kara Quant. And I would like to thank you for joining me today on this podcast episode. Today, we are talking all about PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis, HIV and Black women. Yes, that is the topic. And today I am joined by different guests. So I have here Lachey Alexander, who is a sex educator. Let's just have you introduce yourself to the audience.
2: Lachey. Hi, everybody. My name is Lachey, also known as Shea is Love. I'm a sex educator, love, and intimacy coach, and I facilitate healthy discussions around sex, sexuality, and alternative love styles. So that's whether it's LBGTQ or the polyamorous community.
0: Okay. Thank you, Lachey. I would also like to introduce uh, Nicole Trainer to the podcast. She is a public health practitioner. And Nicole, give everyone a little bit more information about yourself.
3: Thank you so much, Dr. Cara. Again, my name is Nicole Trainer. I work for the San Francisco Department of Public Health as a um, specializing in sexual and drug user health services. I have been doing this work for about 23 years now. And so it's something that I'm very close to, something that I'm passionate about. And it's something that I just continue to want to elevate to the forefront on a continuous basis. So. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Yes, thank you. And i also like to introduce, last but not least, Colony Brown, who is a personal friend of mine and also someone that has taken and is taking PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis. So Colony, if you want to introduce yourself to the uh, audience
1: as well. Hi, my name is Colony. I'm an occupational therapy practitioner. So I have a strong background in healthcare and advocacy. So this is kind of right up my alley and I'm honored to be here. Thank you.
0: So I want to just get right into it. What is the reason why we're having this discussion today? Well, the discussion is was brought about by a statistic, a CDC statistic from 2020. It is uh, the HIV Surveillance Report from 2020, and give you a little bit of information about that. In 2020, 30,000 people were uh, received an HIV diagnosis in the United States, and of those 30,000 people, 12,000 of them were Black or African American. You know, breaking that down further, Black and African American women age 13 and above Made up 13% of the female population. This is what we're talking about within the United States, but accounted for 54% of diagnoses of HIV infection amongst women. 54%, over half. And that is more than white women um, who make up 62% of the population, but only account for 24% of diagnoses. And even Hispanic, uh, Latino women make up 17% of the female population and account for 17% of the diagnoses. Mm-hmm. So that was an astounding statistic. Mm-hmm. And I've heard this before in training in medical school and residency that you know black people have the highest rates of HIV and even black women have have been at that high number for i would say quite a while but just you know putting out that this latest statistic from the CDC reconfirms the statistic from the mm-hmm. past And so I wanted to first ask the question or just talk about PrEP and like, what is it? Give me everyone a little bit of background about that. So PrEP, again, is pre-exposure prophylaxis. It is a medicine that can be taken either on a daily basis or injected once every two months or every eight weeks, and it can reduce your risk of getting HIV by up to 99% which is a pretty high and good rate of efficacy. So that is a little bit of information about PrEP. I'll get a little bit more into it, but I wanted to direct this next question to Nicole and give us a little bit of information about the history of PrEP because we've had this conversation before mm-hmm. and you were telling me that, you know, the research, who the research was on.
3: Right, exactly. So Dr. Carl, I'll kind of start back to the PrEP clinical trial revolution where, and actually starting back to Truvada, right? So so PrEP, the medication for PrEP is Truvada, which was ADA approved in 2004, which is an antiviral medication that is used in patients who are HIV positive so that they become virally suppressed, right? And when a person is virally suppressed, it prevents them from what one, it's you know healthy for them as well, but it also prevents them from um, HIV transmission, right? And so Gilead, they held the patent to Travada up until some recent years, and now there's a generic formula. Well, back in 2010, which, which was one of the first clinical trials, it was called IPREX, it was a global trial it was the first clinical trial to establish Truvada, the efficacy of Truvada used as a daily pill to prevent HIV acquisition, specifically only amongst gay men and men who have sex with men. And so that was the first clinical trial amongst that particular group of people and and specifically white MSM, right? This was also a global study as well, but you know, as you know, in different countries, not necessarily people have the privilege of as a, identifying as MSM openly. Well, after the IPREC study, and they found that there was high efficacy in the daily medication of Truvada, there were several other large global studies um, or clinical trials to follow to determine the efficacy of PrEP in different populations. Um, they did have a, a clinical trial trial, to determine efficacy in people who inject drugs. In further years, around 2014, 2015, they did some open up the trials to heterosexual men and women. And they also did some clinical trials on um, heterosexual couples in which one partner was living with HIV and the other partner was not. And then they started to recruit more trans women. I do like to mention that even, even though the the populations became more inclusive, they still there was still an underrepresentation of individuals who identified either as Black or African American descent. However, all of the subsequent studies after the IPREX study, they found that there was efficacy of PrEP about 92% if the adherence was a daily dose of PrEP at a minimum of four times a week. So it's 92% at four times a week. And of course, the efficacy increases the more adherent to that you are to the drugs. So after those major clinical trials, then scientists said, okay, how does this look like in the real world setting? So then we implemented a demonstration project. So, some health departments, they were funded to conduct a PrEP demonstration project, again, which was designed to gain a better understanding of how PrEP looks like in the real world, um, hence outside of the controlled clinical trial. So, from 2010 to 2016, I actually was one of the lead clinical research managers that was responsible for implementing the U.S. PrEP demonstration project. It took some time to develop protocols and so forth because we're going out into the this, the real world to do these implementations. But in the U.S., we had three different sites, which was San Francisco City Clinic in San Francisco, Whitman Walker in um, D.C., and then Miami-Dade County Health Department Clinic. And within those demonstration projects, we had the opportunity to, again, enroll uh, more diverse individuals into the study. But again, there was still a representation of cisgendered women and underrepresentation of transgendered women, specifically transgendered women of color, and then Black folks, period. But with that said, the results of that demonstration project still show that there was a high efficacy in reducing HIV acquisition, even in a real world setting. And so once all those clinical trials were presented to the FDA, these were profound findings, right? So FDA then approved PrEP for you, a Truvada for use as PrEP in July of 2012. So that's when it rolled out to some of the major healthcare facilities, start to roll out PrEP, the health department, insurance, you know, there was protocols in place to try to get insurance to cover. It took some time. However, we're still in a place where, you know, PrEP and a daily doses still have some challenges for people in certain lifestyles, right? So where we are now, we're in this phase of rolling out long acting PrEP, injectable PrEP, which again can address some adherence issues for folks who have issues taking the pill every day. It also has a huge injectable PrEP will have a huge impact on individuals who are unhoused. Also individuals who um, either use or inject drugs And are people who are in domestic violence situations to people who fear recourse if someone finds their Truvada bottle, right? Um, So researchers are exploring options of drug-infused vaginal rings, implants, of course, the injectable drugs as well. Although there are some clinics that are offering injectable prep now it's not fully accessible to all and so this is the place that we're in now is rolling out uh, multiple options that are conducive to the varying lifestyles okay
0: thank you yeah no, so I, is- going back to your point of saying that in 2012 you know that's when Truvada was rolled out and that's when mm-hmm. it, it was rolled out to to clinics or People to access and take. I re- remember being in medical school and remember talking about PrEP, but the only people I remember talking about PrEP to prescribe to were MSM and transgender women. Like, we never, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we never got information about, oh, hey, how mm-hmm. about Black women or how about like these other. Uh, heterosexual women just in general like how why or cisgender why are we not giving that information out to the medical students and and residents about prescribing to other demographics other than the msm and transgender population right right but it was mainly because the the studies Exactly. And and also,
3: not just the studies and who enrolls in the study, but also HIV tests, right? So for an example, in San Francisco, if you identify as a straight heterosexual woman with one partner, they consider you as low risk, right? But you mentioned about those 12,000 women who are HIV positive in 2020. They also reported, most of those women reported one sexual partner. They're affluent Black women. And there are women who have not reported drug use. So what is the story behind that curve, right? Because what we think as medical professions, what risk is, is not applicable to these women, right? And so the other pieces, and I want to speak for the county in which I reside in, or work in, I should say, is that for HIV tests, because women were deemed as low risk, you couldn't just walk into an STD clinic and say, I want an HIV test. I would have to tell when I was working the ground, working in the community, I would have to tell my clients like, hey, when you go to the clinic, tell them you either have a partner that just got out of prison or tell them that your partner told you that they're um, also MSM. And that's how they got an HIV test. But yet we recommend MSM communities, they have a, it's normalized for them to get tested. There's no stigma around getting tested every three months. We didn't have that same protocol. We're just now trying to create this protocol for cis women now that these rates are going up, right? Mm -hmm. When we should have been proactive instead of reactive.
0: Mm, Yes. And directing the question to you, Lachey, why do you, you know, and continuing this conversation, why do you think that Black women have a higher risk of getting HIV versus other races?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things we have to consider is the relationship that Black women have with the medical field in America, right? So we don't, and especially from a socioeconomic perspective, that access to quality health care is just not there. And as a sex educator, I know it starts way before people can book their own doctor's appointments. It starts with the sex education that we have in school, or should I say, lack thereof, right? So when you have underdeveloped or underserved communities, right, primarily Black. Um, Where black students are learning, they're not teaching black students sex education, they're not teaching them how important it is to actually go and get tested what it looks like to possibly contract, you know, any kind of SCI or STD. And so we go into it with the mindset of, one, I have one partner, I don't have anything to worry about. And two, even when I go into the doctor, I'm not being asked questions about my sexual health. I'm not getting the proper care. Doctors are not saying, "Okay, hey, we should test them as well. They're kind of leaving, they're not even kind of, they're leaving Black women to the wayside. So it's really unfortunate. But I think something else that I want to add on is a stigma that is around HIV and Black women. You know, it's reported that one in five HIV infections are women. But the majority of it, yes, is Black women. But it's interesting that Black women are statistically reporting that they have fewer partners than white women. They're more likely to use condoms. And again, it's usually, like Nicole said, Black women coming into spaces who are affluent, who do care about their sexual health, that are saying, look, I have one partner. I just want to get tested. So um, it has a lot to do with the communities that we are having sex in. And when you think about who else is that four out of five who is testing positive for HIV, it is majority men. And if men are not and unfortunately um as active in going to the doctor in the black community, then we're not gonna know if it's really our partners or not until we are the ones going to get tested because we do care about our sexual health. We just need our medical system to reflect that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right yes, point. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I work in the urgent care. I am a strong advocate. I mean, obviously I have a a podcast called viva la vulva i'm like an advocate for female sexual health and so a big part of my practice is saying hey i mean i don't ask everyone for if they want to be tested but i do ask people who are coming in for some type of vaginal issue or just they are coming in with some type of sexual question or concern or issue and i usually will bring up when is the last time that you were tested like do you have sex with men, women, or both? Do you, you know, so those are common questions that I ask, but I do advocate for people to get tested often. And I know that is not the case for every provider that is out there. I know that's not yeah. the case.
2: And it's unfortunate too. And, you know, Nicole and I talked recently just about me being more open and more vulnerable. And in my own experience, going to the doctor, whether I'm working with a female doctor or a male doctor, Very rarely will they give you the type of test that you actually want and need. If you say, I want an STI screening, they'll say, okay, we can give you this one or we'll give you these two or we'll give you these three, but they don't give you all the ones that you asked for. And you do have to, you know, essentially lie. You have to tell them the worst case scenario just for them to treat you or to just test you. And that's really scary when you go in there and you're young and you don't know what to say. You just know that you want to be safe, but they're not teaching you how to protect yourself. And they're supposed to be your care. You know, They're supposed to be your physician. This is their job and they're not doing it. So it's it's an interesting space to be in as a sex educator, but also someone who has had that same experience that Nicole described earlier.
0: They're not giving you all of the tests. It's just like, oh, you can get a test. Like in your experience or in people that you've talked to, it's just like, oh, you can get an HIV test and that's
2: it. Depending on the clinics you go to, Mm -hmm. Um, and if you don't have health insurance, they might say, okay, well, we do. We could do an HIV screening here, or they'll say, well, it hasn't been long enough since your last unprotected, you know, sexual encounter. But it's like, okay, well, if it was three months ago as well, then can I get another Mm -hmm. test? And they will refuse you. You have to beg. You have to lie. Or sometimes they'll say, well, we will only test you for chlamydia because that's what we think you might be more likely to have. Or we'll only test you for syphilis. I've had like in me just caring about my sexual health. My mom works in the medical field and every time she comes home, like numbers are going up and and I'm like, "Okay, call my friends. Let's go to the clinic. Let's go get tested. Right. And yeah, we we've all learned how to essentially lie to get decent care. And it's really unfortunate as a black woman, you have to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But how many Black women know to do that though, right? Nicole, you said affluent and, Black women go on these spaces and we're still having to like lie and come up with these ways just to get proper care.
3: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I see it all the time, especially with we have congenital syphilis that's hit the scene again, right? And these are women who have touched the healthcare system. There's no reason why you're pregnant. So that means you, you come in in contact with the healthcare system at least once, even if you're not in prenatal care, right? Mm-hmm. But you- is congenital syphilis, that is, that we should, congenital syphilis syphilis should be eradicated. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no reason, you're right. But data, you know, our clinicians lead with data, I should say the system, not necessarily clinicians, I should say, just because if you're working in an institution, right, there's check boxes you have to mark off. And if the data show that syphilis is not prevalent amongst women, and it's mostly amongst MSM, they don't, that's what you're, you're, you're referring to Lachez. They're, they'll give you a panel, but not the full panel, chlamydia and gonorrhea, but not syphilis. Mm, Yeah, exactly.
0: I do also have to say that, you know, coming from the medical side and and treating patients or just ordering studies and tests for patients, I do also see that there are certain people that just don't want to take it, you know, that they they just don't want to get the vaccines. And, you know, we're in a culture now that, you know, vaccines are sometimes limited because people are like, I don't believe in vaccinations and other types of treatments. I rather do it naturally or rather do it Hol- yeah, holistically. So I do believe that there are also, you know, not blame. I do believe that there is definitely blame to the medical system. But we also have to say that the, the people that are being treated, the patients aren't sometimes accepting the, the treatments that are offered.
3: Right. But I will say this. So for screening, there should be an opt out, right? So what San Francisco General did, this is in partnership with the with the city and county public health departments, the branch that I work in. Well, we we implemented a pilot study where anybody who comes in through the emergency room, we started there first. Everybody got tested. You was a 90-year-old woman. If you came into the emergency room, you got a full panel STD testing. And guess how many positives we caught that didn't fall through the cracks, right? And then we implemented it in standard practice, our general, general med. I'm probably not. Internal medicine, right? So if I'm going in for a standard throat, everybody's offered HIV tests, you have to get it. It's not, you're not even asked to get it. It's part of the protocol, but you have to opt out and say, oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want it or whatever, right? But for most people, if you make it a standard, meaning that we're not asking you because you meet certain criteria, everybody gets it because it's part of our protocol, most likely those folks are going to say, oh, yeah, just give me the full panel, Mm -hmm. right? And just imagine how many positive we would catch and then treat as opposed to having people opt in, they have to opt out. So that's Mm -hmm. what I will hold the the institutions accountable for is putting protocols in place where folks don't fall through the cracks. Now, treatment, you're right. And vaccinations is another story. But I think for the most (laughs) part, if people are diagnosed with chlamydia and gonorrhea, which they will more likely want to get, get treatment. But you're absolutely right. There is this continuum spectrum, I should say, of patients. But
0: Mm. that is Mm -hmm. is my
3: recommendation on how we get more folks screened um, specifically as it relates to sexual health um, testing.
0: Yes. And I will um, bring up maybe later about the the testing that you are a part of that is available to people throughout the U.S., which I did not know as a practitioner, but I think it's, yeah, it's, great. So let's hold that towards the end of the discussion. But yeah, I uh, I guess in switching gears a little bit to taking PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis, Colony, I want to direct this question to you, having been a PrEP user, uh, what do you feel like the advantages and disadvantages of taking the medicine are?
1: Thanks for asking. I um, definitely like the fact that I have some control over lowering, and we won't say completely eliminating, but greatly reducing the risk of contracting HIV. I wish there were prophylaxis for every STI that we can choose to take, right? I'm very sex positive. I'd love to enjoy it with one less element of of surprise. Um, But I think the biggest disadvantage is truly in my own research, I just haven't found a ton uh, out there on women um, women in my age group, I'm in my 40s, about to hit probably uh, perimenopause, menopause, and how that might be affected. I do feel like when I, I've taken it, not taken it, and taken it, and I do feel like, you know, different physical symptoms. And I don't know if that's just a transition of getting back on it, but I feel different when I take it physically. And I do wonder, like, what is that causing? How's that affect my body on the long run? So for me, that's a disadvantage. I'd like to be as natural as possible.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And going over some of the other like when starting prep, what do you do? So when someone wants first wants to start prep, they have to go to the doctor because at this point still healthcare providers that are prescribing the medicine. And you generally have to have a couple of tests done. So generally an HIV test is the first. So we don't want to prescribe PrEP for somebody who already has HIV. And so you will get an antibody antigen test, uh, HIV test or an HIV RNA test, most likely the antibody antigen test. The rapid HIV test is not, I would say, good enough to uh, start you on PrEP. It would have to be one of those other tests. And you generally have to get other testing. So STD testing can also be done at that time, checking for gonorrhea, chlamydia, um, syphilis, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, which should be also on the panel um, before even starting the medicine. So I would say it's not necessarily disadvantaged, but you do have to go and you do have to get blood work in order to start this medicine. It's not just something that you can go in, like birth control, and just like get the medicine and go. There are some other tests that need to be done, um, with check a kidney function, things like that. But you know, the advantage is you are reducing your risk of HIV for yourself. So that's a huge advantage of taking the the medicine. But actually, going back to you, Colony, what like what's your story? What was the reason why you wanted to start prep in the in the first place?
1: Well, it kind of goes back a little bit in my family. My grandmother ended up dying of dementia, and we found out that it was syphilis-induced dementia. My grandmother was a saint. She'd been with one man her whole life. So later down the history, we found out that my grandfather cheated. Of course, back then, she never thought to go get tested. And it was really tragic to see that. Fast forward, working in different hospitals and seeing how there are patients who don't disclose to their partners, we see their medical records. and That always alarmed me and made me think, you know, sometimes we're not even honest with ourselves. We're not being honest with other people. You know, we got to be responsible for ourselves. So I had entered a relationship where my partner had cheated. And in lieu of that situation, the concern was, it was the STI my big concern was not something I could take a pill that was treatable. It was HIV. And so while I was waiting the few days to find out like what was happening, my brain just spun out of control because I'm I'm kind of an anxious analytical thinker, especially when it comes to my health. Uh, I'm very health conscious. And, you know, as I was running down the rabbit hole of what what can I do in the future? Because obviously I'm going to have to work on my trust issues, but I want to be able to be in relationship. Also, I'm sex positive. I understand condoms break. And I, just want to feel like i have some type of control i came along prep i remember a coworker talking about it and um i did more research my doctor has had no other patient ever bring it up to her whatsoever i am her first and so she said i trust you to do some research i'll do some research we're going to do this together let me know how you feel and really she kind of advised me to talk more with one of the advocates for PrEP about it. Now, the interesting part about this is I couldn't, even though I had a stellar healthcare um, insurance, my insurance wouldn't cover it because I was not, you know, they're the uh, typical person asking for this medication. I was not high at high risk, according to them. I feel like I am at high risk if I'm being exposed through my partnerships. So I said, fine, if I have to pay out of pocket, I will, and I'll go ahead and go back and advocate for myself because I will make sure that this gets heard. (laughs) And so somewhere in the mix, um, I didn't have to do all that. My insurance went ahead and authorized it. And, and so I continued to take prep. I got into another relationship. I decided to go off it. Same thing happened. Trust was broken. And, and I just really kind of spiraled and I thought, oh my gosh, this just keeps happening. You know, I already knew the statistics of of heterosexual women who are thinking that they're with one partner uh, becoming some of the highest numbers to get HIV. And, you know, I guess I could speculate the fact that a lot of the research that I read, is a lot of, you know, men that are not disclosing that they have preferences for both sex, you know, and I just felt like really lost and just decided, you know what, I think at this point until I am really, I don't know if I'll ever decide that I want to be off of it. That's a whole nother issue from <laughs> right there now but um i'm just really grateful that at least i have this option and you know we'll just deal with the rest later so yeah
0: yes i am so happy that you advocated for yourself and you're like i want to take this medicine like insurance company authorize it like let's get this going let's get this started
1: <laughs> it was like a form of reverse of a racism i was like this is a weird type of like <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. You're messing with the wrong girl over here. <laughs> <laughs> and your your doctor is
0: a primary... You, you were talking to your primary care doctor.
1: She's, you know, she just... I live in San Diego and a pretty medium, you know, moderate household income. And it's just not something that I guess is being brought up. But what I do find is being sex positive and having been out of a marriage. So now I'm more, a little bit more open with my sexual practices. I'll be honest. I have every... Partner that I'm going to be fluid bonded with, want to go get tested. And I'll tell you, like 10 out of 10 times, like this is not an issue, at least in heterosexual relationships, that any man has ever really. It's like it's a first. So I do advocate also amongst a lot of my girlfriends that are single. And I'm like, you know, we may sex education has changed so much over the years, but there's like new stuff that we have to really be aware of. And only we can be responsible for ourselves because everyone else is old school thinking. She looks mm-hmm. good. She looks healthy. She looks fine. That's just not okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's not okay. And you know, the only question any of my partners ever asked me is, are you on birth control? That's the least of my worries. <laughs> <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> pregnant, All right. right yes. So, and let's have this other conversation. <laughs> yes.
0: Wow. Yeah, um, you know, I, I do see that in talking with patients and asking them many of the patients who come in and want to be tested have already had sex with a person unprotected. And so they come in after the fact and they're like, I want to get tested now. And I'm like, okay, well, yes, we can get, we can test you. I will order the test. But did you have a conversation with this person as to their STD status? Like when is the last time they were tested? Have they ever had any STDs in the past or been with partner partners who have had STDs? Like when is the last time that you had this conversation? And I would say, most of my patients have never had, never brought up the conversation with their partners, like with their new partners of when is the last time they were tested. Never. Okay. It's, it's, like,
1: I'll message <laughs> you and I'll be like, how do I have this? T-? Because even if <laughs> I have it with all my like long-term partners, it's awkward because my partners make it awkward. I really feel like if I'm going to let you into my body, this is like, this should be the easiest conversation we have. But, you know, I guess we're just not thinking like that anymore these days, you know? Mm.
0: Yeah. um, I was going to direct this question to Lachey. Is there, you know, as a sex educator, is there a, a script or is there something that you have that you tell people of how they can have a conversation about STDs or STIs, STIs and being tested?
2: Yeah. So one, I want to say, I think conversations like this are really important because I think when people and women, especially black women, see women that look like them, they're like, okay, well, they're having these conversations with, you know, their partners. Okay. That means I can, that means I can do it too. Cause that's the experience that I've had is amongst my girlfriends, you know, I'm telling them like, you know, yeah, girl, I made him go get tested. Like, you know, they're like, well, you did, how did he respond? And I'm like, or even if it's in a text, right? So what I do and what I encourage people to do is, one, know your partner because everyone has different communication styles. So anytime someone asks me for a very specific script, it is literally based on the type of relationship that they have. So for example, I had someone recently, you know, asked me, hey, how do I ask my partner if he's using protection with other people? I do not mind. We're not monogamous. So non-monogamy is a practice that a lot of people are exploring. And so i Gave her a script, and I'm like, you know, just let them know, hey, I'm not concerned with you having other partners, but based on my concern for my sexual health, I do want to know if you're using protection with them and how often are you getting tested. And she was like, okay, that was good. I'm going to copy and paste. So she just <laughs> copy and pasted. And for myself, I lead with vulnerability where I, because I'm going to physically share my body with you, I'm going to first talk to you about what my body is like, how it responds, how it reacts. And what that looks like is I'm like, hey, I'm sensitive down here. So if you are sleeping around and we don't use a condom, I'm gonna get BB. Okay. I might get a yeast infection. Like I'm 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 and they like, whoa, they are like, okay. Um they like, and I had someone like, how do you know this? And I was like, because when I had a partner, you know, they slept around, and this was the result of them sleeping around when I was not. And they respect it. And they're like, okay, so she's telling me about her body. I don't, you know, contrary to popular belief. Cis men feel really bad when you tell them that they did something wrong. So you're like, if you do this to my vagina, baby, we're not going to be able to do it. Now I'm going to be out of commission. We can't have sex. We can't enjoy it. So before we get to that point, let me tell you, we are going to go get tested. And then we're going to talk about how we want to navigate our sex life. Are we choosing to use condoms? Are we going to be primary partners? Are we going to be each other's only partner? What does sex look like for you with me? I have my preferences. I lay them on the table, and then we negotiate. So I do negotiate my se- my uh, sexual practices, and I haven't had a problem. I have not had a problem with any man having a problem with a condom or getting tested with me. So, yeah, I think the more we talk about it, the more open people will be to having the conversation.
1: Lishie, do you go as far as just taking their word for it? Because this is the other thing. I'm a I'm a show. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm I'm not. I don't even want someone to trust me. I want you just to see it. You know what I mean? But I have yes. never, uh, not uh unless I go in with someone, I, people will be like, oh yeah, I got Tesla. And it's like, I, I would like to see that. It's like, you know, like I had to go Oh yeah. There.
2: Oh yeah. It's either, you know, the, the phone results because now you can get them on your phone. Like if you have Kaiser, you can do uh, mykp.org everybody. Um, if he has Kaiser in California, yes. don't let him play you, okay, Mike? Yes. He, got he can download it on his phone. Um, Planned Parenthood also offers free STI screenings. If he doesn't have health insurance, that's already a concern right there. But yeah, no, I ask whether you have to bring it in person on a piece of paper or we go together, which I don't have a problem with. And, and if time doesn't permit, there's too many creative ways for us to get STI screenings, which I do want to say this. And I do have to say it. Nicole, I appreciate you so much. Um, and I know we might not be ready to segue there now, but during the we pandemic, <laughs> during the pandemic, I was able to order a free at home STI screening. It was specifically for HIV. And it was an easy kit. Um, I ordered two because I was like, look, just in case I messed up the first one, <laughs> let me get another one. It came with condoms. It came with very clear instructions. If you couldn't read the instructions on the, on, a, on a piece of paper, they had um, mm. visual instructions that you can access through your phone. But I was really grateful because it was private. I was able to do it safely you know, during the panorama. And yeah, so I, I definitely appreciated that, Nicole. It is something that When it clicked back, I was like, you know what? Everyone needs to do this. I was like, I did it right the first time. It was great. I'm like, I had a second one. So I did the second one recently. And I was like, okay. I was like, I'm cool. I was like, I'm good.
3: (laughs) That is so awesome. I'm glad you, you know, was able to benefit from it. That resource. I'm curious to know if you don't mind, you mentioned sex negotiation that you negotiate your sex. Like, how do you, I mean, that just hit me because I know as a young woman, and not just a young woman of color, but a a woman with darker complexion skin that, you know, when I, I grew up in the 90s, I wasn't necessarily as desirable, right? So I didn't have sex negotiation skills. I was used, I was promiscuous because I wanted to feel wanted, you know, by men. So even in the landscape today, how do you build the confidence to negotiate your sexual needs in, in such a vulnerable way. And and what advice do you have for other women to feel confident in that way, especially women who may be in situations where they have to use sex for, um, survival reasons, right. They're living with a, a partner who's taking care of them and so forth.
2: Yeah. That's a great um, question. So I, yeah. And I, I had a very similar upbringing, you know, I, I'm dark skin girl, mm-hmm. in California, mm-hmm. not the most desired for relationships, but as you get older, you fill out, you know, men, will be men and they want to have sex with you. But I switched my perspective around that because I'm like, oh, he's a man. He wants to have sex with me. Okay. If I open my mouth, which for a very long time, it was difficult for me to do. Very. And just like, is it, how do you pronounce it? Kalani? Kalani. 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 Um, Just like you, I was married as well. Trust was broken and violated. My first thought was I have children and I do not want to Put myself in a position where I compromise my own sexual health. And then I'm getting older as my kids are getting older and I'm telling them that their mother is sick. Right. So that became my why for my sexual health. And when I changed my perspective on, well, men want sex and I'm like, okay, if I want to have sex with this man, we're going to negotiate. Cause what are you going to do? You're going to tell me, no, you're not going to tell me, no, you want to have sex with me. And That's just kind of how I I changed my mind. I changed my perspective. But I do think that for women who are in situations where they are giving sex to a partner because they have to live with them um, or they're financially providing for them, I think we would encourage them and I would encourage them to talk to, you know, a medical care provider or someone along the likes of us ladies here to help them with PrEP. I think that they should start on PrEP as well. That's a sticky situation because outside of HIV AIDS, you can still catch other things. BV is very common amongst uh, people who have multiple partners. Yeast infections happen, and those are very irritating and not very pleasant to deal with at all, right? You still have syphilis. You still have gonorrhea. So in those cases, I think that keeping yourself safe as best you can with the proper medicine um, and then from there, tapping into other resources outside of just sexual health resources so you can get out of that situation.
0: Mm. Man, you know, what about even the people who don't even feel that they should be tested? You know, like, what if the, the people who are like, I'm in a stable relationship? Like, I am, you know, like we are married. I don't mm-hmm. need to be tested. I don't need to be on prep or, you know, like, I don't need to be doing this stuff because it's a stable relationship.
2: Well, I, I think the reality is that the numbers show us otherwise. One of yeah. the very first things I learned in sex education was the rates of hiv aids in black women it it made me cry that was the very first thing that i learned studying sex education and so the numbers don't lie and because the numbers don't lie we can't lie to ourselves and if you don't protect yourself and love yourself you could find yourself in a situation where like i said the worst thought for me was i have to tell my kids as they're getting older i'm sick and i might not be here if i don't if i don't have the proper care right because if you don't have the proper care you can't live with, you know, HIV AIDS, it's going to be a difficult role for you. So I think that women taking care for themselves and taking care of themselves has to be on the forefront or people in general, even if you're in what you think to be a monogamous relationships, like I said, numbers don't lie. Yes.
0: Yes. And as we were, we were bringing up earlier uh, that even though Black women are usually have less partners, usually use more condoms with their, you know, with sex. We're still having the higher rates of HIV. So there's something not right. There's something going on that we are missing. And yes, right. being tested on a regular basis is, or somewhat regular basis is, I feel very important. You know, I think every person should be tested who is not in a relationship who's single, should be tested every three months. And for those people who are in quote unquote monogamous relationships or relationships should still be tested. Maybe not every three months, maybe yearly, but I still feel like it should, they, you know, should be tested. So I know Lachey, you have to leave, get out of here soon. Now, yeah, I'm be heading out. (laughs) Before you leave, if you can just let people know how to stay in contact with you, how to get services from you, how to hear more from you. Yeah, um,
2: so if you guys want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at Shay is Love, S H A E I S L O V E. There's a link in my bio that directly links you to my website, www.shaydaily.com. That's S H A E. D-A-I-L-Y, Um, And this summer, I will be opening up my coaching services again. I mostly work with couples, uh, but I'm going to be working with Black women this summer. So yeah. I've kind of scaled down just a little bit. I don't have the capacity for everybody right now. I have to, you know, I have to focus on the community that I really want to serve. And Black women are my why. So yeah, if you look. All right, Black Women Summer. Look, call me. You need to tell him you need to get tested. Yeah. Okay, it's a Black Women Summer. 2023. What are we doing? <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to meet y'all ladies. Nicole, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. See you soon.
0: <laughs> thank you, Lachey. Alrighty. All right, yeah, right. right. see y'all soon. Bye. So to get into the discussion about how people can be tested more regularly. So say they don't have the resources to or a clinic that is very close to their place where they could just go in and be tested quickly. They have to take off work. They have, you know, there's complications to being tested. You have to go to a lab, you have to take time off if you're working. So you and your the organization that you are a part of has made it more accessible for people to be tested. And I think that that is dope. Like everyone should know about this. Like everyone should know about this. So please tell people what it is, how they can be tested on a regular basis.
3: Absolutely. So through folks, if you want to get tested for a free, not only just HIV testing, but full panel testing, the full panel um, lab-based testing is available in some jurisdictions across the country. However, there are other jurisdictions who don't necessarily have the funding to provide free full panel testing, where CDC has provided funding to supplement those counties. So now anybody in who resides in the US, you don't have to be a documented resident. You could be undocumented as well, as long as you have an address um, that you can get your kit mailed to you can go to havegoodsex.org. There's a link there that will take you to say, order my kit now. It'll ask you a few questions to put in your zip code address and also the last time that you've been tested. If you've never been tested or if you've been tested more than three months ago, you will qualify to get a testing kit. If your zip code is not in a jurisdiction that offers the full panel testing, it automatically redirects you to the national site. So regardless to where you're at, you'll have the option to get a free testing kit. Now, the difference between the two is this. Here in the Bay Area, San Francisco County, Alameda County, I believe Santa Clara County and Contra Costa County, they are counties that have bought into the platform. And so this agency called Building Healthy Online Communities, they have provided us with the technology to do this service because this has always been a challenge and barrier, especially for the public health, on the public health side. And so it's the first time we've had lab-based testing. And what that means is that those tests are um, processed in a lab And the results are then sent back to the client within a private portal. But it's also connected to our links navigator team. So when you send your results in, there's a kit that comes in for the HIV test. Instead of doing the oral swab, you have to do a finger prick, which is a dry blood spot. There's also swabs in the testing kit, which allows you to do three-site swab. So if you oral swab, rectal swab, and vaginal swab no urethra swab, and we do not collect um, urine. So it's only for those who have um, sexual contact in those three areas. Then there's also a finger prick for the syphilis. You have the option, depending on how you respond to the questions, to get a hep C test as well. And all of those tests, you then package it up. It's easy. Put, drop it off in the mailbox It's a confidential ID number. So your name is not on the box at all. It's kind of like an encrypted barcode. And then all your results will come back to the portal. And additionally, for those who test negative as well, there will be information that's sent to you to offer you PrEP. So people are being offered PrEP through this service as well. So even if you don't know about PrEP and maybe PrEP is not for you, everyone should know that PrEP is an option, right? The national kit, so it's different from the national kit. If you, you live in a jurisdiction that's not participating in the full panel testing, you will get an oral quick test. And so that is an oral swab. The difference between the two is that you swab your mouth and you get your results in 20 minutes. So when the individual gets their results, we rely on them, if it's positive, to contact a provider, whether they are have insurance. If you don't have insurance, we rely on them to contact their local STD clinic that's free to let that provider know that, hey, I took an at-home test and it's positive. And like you mentioned, Dr. Carr, then they will conduct a conformatory test, which is inclusive of the RNA. But with the lab-based testing that you get, the RNA is already being processed at that the lab for you. And so the goal of this program, too, I, I just want to mention this and why I'm so excited That this team with Emory University and building healthy online communities, I want to point out is that we can eradicate HIV without having a cure. And this is why, right? We got these three prongs. If everybody in the United States, let's just start with the United States, this country was tested at least once, right? So that means everyone in the US knows your status at a snapshot. Right. So everyone who then tests positive, they're connected to care and they're consistently on their antiviral medications. Right. So then viral suppression is down, which prevents HIV acquisition. I mean, you're less like it's like less than 1%, right, that you're likely to transmit. Yeah. And then you have folks on PrEP, right? So now you're building an entire country or population where everybody is on taking their antiviral meds, the folks who need PrEP are on PrEP, right? And then you have people getting tested every three months. We can essentially eradicate HIV without even having a cure, just through screening, PrEP, and antiviral medication
0: adherence. Mm. Yes. And I do want to say that we are not, you know, Mm -hmm. we are not getting paid for... Truvada Absolutely. or from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Apertune, we are not getting paid for these places, these drug companies uh, nope. to talk about this. This mm-hmm. is more of a conversation for Black women and HIV from the statistic from the CDC. So Absolutely. we are not, you know, we are not getting paid for it. But I do believe that, yeah, that's that's a great solution. And that is a way that you can be tested all the time. Mm-hmm. You can have a kit that is sent to you, you don't even have to go anywhere like you can have it sent to you you can be tested you can send all of the testing the blood you know sample and the yep the swabs uh to if you're in that certain location to yep the lab to be tested that is the way that you can be tested on a regular basis so single people out there or not you could be tested every three months, and I was talking to Nicole about months. them. You know, putting a, a feature on there where you could just get the kit test like sent to you automatically, unless you opt out. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, and then you
3: still so the you. the dating apps Grinder, so the dating apps that cater to um, the LGBT LGBTQ plus community specifically gay men. You go to their apps. There's a button that says "Order HIV Test," and it takes you straight to the Take Me Home website. To get a test now. Just imagine if we can get that on all the dating sites. On Bumble, (laughs) Bumble, Hinge, Plenty of Fish,
1: (laughs) Facebook dating app, exactly. Right. (laughs) Like Facebook, Facebook dating app. Simple. This is as simple as look at the accessibility to birth control. It's just as simple, Mm -hmm. and honestly, birth control. I feel that way more than I feel this. So it's like you want to take. Control and you know, really have a little bit more peace of mind. I think this is really a good answer for now. Hopefully, okay. they'll be better. Here. Yep, so. yep.
3: Um, yes, yeah. And yes. Yes. Yep. Yep. You will. We will be offering colony you mentioned. So, folks, for prep, there will be a prep option eventually that's rolling out in phase three. Three, where you go online and then your clinician. You would have already had a tele visit like Dr. Carr is prescribing me prep, but I don't want to go to the office. So she, you know, you do your questionnaire, your, the conversation we have, and you provide me, you're part of the provider network that's connected to the home testing program in your jurisdiction. You give me a code. So I'll log in and say, I want the prep panel. Okay. And so now that prep panel is then sent to me, which includes the creatinine testing as well. So now I'll do my testing at home you get the results and you send my prescription to the pharmacy. Now I can get PrEP without even coming into you. Then we have pharmacy deliver PrEP that rolls out. So if it's injectable, you can then send that injectable PrEP option to the pharmacist and the pharmacist, there's legislation coming down the, the line where pharmacists, they already can do point of care testing at the pharmacy, right? Now they're going to be able to do administrate um, um, administer ad- injectable PrEP. That's the next phase. So again, Creating more accessible options for folks. Generic prep is rolling out, rolled out already. So, Colony, you have to go through that advocacy with your payment and prep. At one point, cost five thousand dollars a bottle. You remember that time? It, it was um, very one. It
1: was very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but I was willing. <laughs> My life is priceless. Exactly,
3: exactly. <laughs> and now we got the generic, and so it's slow rollout. But we're getting we're getting there. We need folks like you, Dr. Carr, that is just putting this out there on the platform to have conversations about it.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I mm-hmm. am. Yeah, a complete advocate. I mean, obviously, we are doing this podcast. I mean, I wish we could talk for hours about this because I I really do feel like the more conversations we have, the more likely people are going to take this medicine to take Truvada. Um, or to do apertude, which is the injection on a regular basis so that they can reduce their risk of contracting
1: hiv or at least have the conversation of stis with you know with confidence and be more aware of how important it truly is just because we ignore something doesn't make it not be there so we got to empower s- ourselves as women we're the one we hold the cookie we got the we got the, <laughs> the cookie jar we got to open it and <laughs> i like that
0: i like that (laughs) that. we do we we hold the power we do (laughs) hold the power and so yes Mm -hmm. that that conversation of hey when is last time that you were tested let's you know have unprotected sex but let me see the results of the last time that you're tested like that is yeah that's definitely a goal for
1: for everyone you know, it's not so much that we have to just be aware of like, oh, we're gonna go we we I think a lot of people might still go into it, you know, wanting use protection condoms break, you know. So yeah. it's a lot to think about, but you know, it shouldn't have to be. <laughs> yes, yes.
0: You know, let's drive these numbers down, especially for black women. We do not need to be a statistic and with yes, with the organization, with the good sex campaign and giving the option to get tested on a regular basis at home. You don't have to go to a clinic. We have the tools. We have the tools and we can definitely empower ourselves to know our status and to reduce our risk of HIV.
1: I have a question for you, Kara. I know you have questions, but I have a question for you since you're a doctor. Yeah. I find. How do we get our, and I, I'm an advocate for patient care. That's what I do as an OT. So I'm always opening my mouth. This is the first time in my life I've had an advocate for myself a lot. Right. So how do we get doctors? I'm lucky. I choose my doctors. I, I really look at their background and I try to get some that'll work with me. But what about, how do patients get doctors to be open-minded to exploring and learning more about these things so that they can work together to, you know, understand their options?
0: Yeah, that is a great question. I believe that it is up to the patient to just be open and be like, hey, I, you know, I heard this podcast and I'm interested in starting prep or like I feel, you know, I, either I'm a high risk person or I'm a black woman and I know the CDC statistics from 2020, like look it up if you don't know it. I have an increased risk of getting HIV, even in, you know, as a cisgender, even in a heterosexual relationship, I still have a higher risk of getting HIV. So let's talk, or I want to get PrEP. Like I want to be like, let's start the testing. Let's start the medicine. It's your health. Like the, the doctor or the provider is the conduit to, you know, get, tested or to get the medicine, but like, this is your health. Like you have the power, ask for what you want at the doctor's office. Right.
3: So Colony. I also think just to add to you, Dr. Carr, that it's the responsibility of of the health department as well. Because a lot of times the health department is providing information to private entities like Kaiser or, or One Medical, and we receive these data from clinical trials and so forth. But The health department has a role and a responsible of communicating these resources to the community so that they then could um, have the information to ask their provider, whether it's in a private setting or a public setting for these resources. We also have the responsibility to do academic detailing. And what that consists of is public health providers or clinicians providing education to other clinicians about these new resources in PrEP. So I'm sure, Dr. Carr, there was another clinician or somewhere in Kaiser where they're training you on the PrEP protocol, right? So that's academic detailing. And I think we need to, that needs to be, academic detailing needs to be a priority across the board. Like some county, San Francisco, has the funds and means to do it. But academic detailing needs to span across the country, bringing providers in all sectors of practice, not just infectious disease doctors because they they know about prep all infectious disease doctors you go to them they're prescribing prep way ahead of folks who are in pediatric or internal medicine or general medicine right and so there needs to be a standard of academic detailing across all medical systems as well.
0: Yes, yes yeah. no, I I agree with that because mm-hmm. right now well I can even say across the board there are certain places mm-hmm. that put it to the infectious disease doctors. So if you want yep. to start prep I will do a referral to infectious disease for you to start the medicine. Not I can, in the same setting, in the same like clinic visit, we can do the, the test. And then, you know, once the results come back, start prep, it's a, let's do a referral and wait and see. So there are some, yeah, yeah there are many doctors, including myself and in, yeah, including myself that was never really trained about prep. I had to get the resources. Yep. I had to get the information and empower myself about like, Okay, yeah. what is the testing? What is the the follow-up? What are the side effects of the medicines? Like that is that is research on my own. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been such a great conversation. I want to thank Colony for being on the podcast today and sharing your story about taking prep um, and advocating for yourself at the doctor's office, being the only patient to have that prep in, you know, of, of your doctor's practice. So thank you for being on the podcast today.
1: Thank you Thank you for raising awareness.
0: Thank you. Yes. And thank Nicole Trainer. thank you for being on the podcast and being the advocate, the public health practitioner, specifically for sexual health. And, you know, like Being in research and and around this topic about HIV and prep, yeah, you definitely brought a a perspective that I didn't see.
3: Yeah, and thank you so much for having me and being able to share this resource with your with the audience that trusts you with this information. So I'm grateful for that.
0: Thank you,
1: Uh, Dr. Making a podcast too. (laughs) What did you say? Then you're the hardest working doctor out there Podcasting, <laughs> <You're right>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes yes but i think it's more to just bring like this is a passion of mine the the podcast is a passion of of just bringing information to people who want to know it about their health so they can empower themselves to make good choices um, because I feel like for myself and a lot of things I do, because I feel like I didn't get it in the past when I was yeah. growing up and sexually active and going to Planned Parenthood and other places to get, S- you know, STD tested. I feel like the people who I saw were not who I felt really comfortable in talking to and like bringing wow. up vulnerable information. So I've always wanted to be that person and and share to the world this information. Yes, and thank you, audience, for being a part of this discussion today. I will share in the description of the podcast details about Lachey Alexander, the sex educator. We'll give you information about the Have Good Sex website that you can go and get your own HIV test and STD testing if you're in the you know in the right location and subscribe to the podcast let other friends and family know about it um, because this information is important and go talk to your provider today or make an appointment with your provider sometime soon about starting prep Um, it is an important medicine that can help to save your life to help to reduce your risk of hiv so Thank you again for joining today on the podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kara Kwant. Bye.